moment. I wanted to share something with you that I thought was really powerful that I came across an article uh, this week. It's uh, about a, uh, a brother and sister who were um, really doing well in tennis. In fact, the, the young uh, lady, high school tennis, uh, was undefeated. And uh, so she was traveling along. You know, we, we have UIL here. I'm not sure what uh, the group was because she was in Washington State. Um, and she was succeeding and undefeated in tennis. And so there was a match that was scheduled for Saturday. And her and her family are Seventh-day Adventists. And those of you who know about Seventh-day Adventists, they uh, celebrate uh, Sunday or worship day on Saturday instead of Sunday. They use the Jewish uh, calendar and celebrate uh, worship time on Saturday. So their church services are on Saturday. And so she told them she couldn't uh, go to that match because she has to go to church. And uh, they uh, uh, kicked her out. They kicked her off of the, and, and replaced her with someone else. And uh, so they went to court. Uh, in a few weeks time, they, they uh, courts uh, made a decision, or a few, uh, probably a few days' time, I think, in this case. And uh, so uh, they reversed the court. You can read this article. You can find it. Uh, it's, it's called High School Tennis Stars Penalized for Having Wrong Faith, uh, and they score a religious exemption. So after they won and she was able to go back um, and play tennis and continue her successful track to a, uh, a victory, a championship, her, this is what her father said. Paul Chung, Joel's father, told the Ingram Angle earlier this month that his uh, daughter, who was undefeated on the court, valued her commitment to God more than tennis. <laughs> I'm telling you, this, this really encouraged me, you know, that um, one student changed the policy and procedures of a whole campus because they took a stand for Jesus Christ. And it really is encouraging to us that we can. We don't have to cave in to the directions that culture and society is moving. What we value as believers, we need to raise up and let the world know and uh, stand firm in that. So I thought that was really, really an encouraging word. Just wanted to say uh, briefly a word about uh, God Talks. Um, we, we have been talking a little bit about that. and so. Want to encourage you in in uh, to in the God Talks. We have, I think, a few couple of years ago, we did the the God Talks um, TV little sticker on the. You'll see it on the back of windows in our parking lot. If you don't have one of these, they're free. Grab one. Jake has them at the. Uh, we, while they last, okay, we have some. Get one. Maybe you've changed cars. You have a new car. Yay for a new car. Be sure to get one of these on there. Uh, they, we found it in the parking lot. People will ask questions. They, they uh, look this up right there in the parking lot. They'll Google godtalks.tv and they see our testimonials from the church. So I think last, was this last year? Yeah. We did the, the bags. Isn't that cool? So if you didn't get one of those man purses or bags. <laughs> but I use mine. I have uh, one of these. It's just uh, filled with these tools that I have to carry. As, as essentials, you know, for, uh, for what? For snacks. Yeah, they're, they're the, that's the tools I have. Um, like a Phillips screwdriver, uh, you know, different things, you know, that I have to take around sometimes from place to place because I don't have a small toolbox. So this has become my small tool. However you want to use it, um, they're, 
there's still some of these. So if you didn't get one, if you have like 10 at home, don't get another one. But if you, <laughs> if you didn't, Jake has them over there. Here you go, Jake. Way. <laughs> All right. And so this year, this year, are you ready for this year? How about that? This is uh, our journals that we're, we're going to be giving out, and they have a pen with them. Isn't that cool? I'm so excited about uh, these journals for helping you take notes. Uh, but we only ordered 80 of them, so the first 80 folks uh, at God Talks, uh, we're giving them away, and once they're gone, they're gone. We're not going to reorder. So uh, get here and um, be a part of that. I also want to put a plug in for our media team. Uh, Austin is... Uh, heading that up and in terms of the, the videos and things like that that we're going to be doing uh, with individuals. They've identified some people, may have already talked to you, uh, maybe not. Maybe there are some who are sitting here today and say, I have a story of how an encounter where God uh, spoke to me, changed my life, uh, spoke to me through, um, it's not always an audible voice, right? Sometimes it, God sent Jeremiah down to the potter's house and spoke to him through the potter, like the potter was making a vessel and uh, he suddenly crushed it because it was marred, and he started over again. And, and through that, Jeremiah said, man, what a patient God he has. He continues to work on us. He doesn't throw the clay away. He gets rid of the imperfections and keeps working on us. And that spoke to Jeremiah. So sometimes God speaks to you that way. However God talks to you and has communicated to you, if you want to share that story um, that was life-changing for you, we want to get it on, on tape. So see uh, Austin about that. You can talk to... You can't, if he's busy doing something else, tell the next steps table people that you want to set up a time to tell your story of what God has done in your life, and it'll be great, all right? So we're talking about growing today. Are you ready to grow? That's exciting. Let's try it again. Are you ready to grow? Because you can only go as far as you grow, right? So if you are not growing, then you are not really going. Uh, 1 Peter chapter 2, beginning at verse 1, you have it on your app. If you have your app up, we have it back here. And uh, you may even have it in, in a real version of the Bible that you're holding in your hands. Let's read it. So get rid of all evil behavior. Be done with all deceit, hypocrisy, jealousy, and all unkind speech. Like newborn babies, you must crave pure spiritual milk so that you will grow into a full experience of salvation. Cry out for this nourishment now that you have had a taste of the Lord's kindness. Well, I like that last verse. Let's read that together. Cry out for this nourishment now that you have had a taste of the Lord's kindness. Isn't that sweet? You know, now that you've tasted something sweet, something good, something real, something authentic, cry out for it. Pursue it with all of your heart. Go after it with all of your might. So how's it growing with you? Can I be honest with you for just a minute? I really struggle with long-term Christians who have a short-term growth plan. Hello? Yeah. I really do struggle with long-term Christians who have a short-term growth plan. And as I get older... I am less available in the sense of, uh, you know, us discipling where I discover that people really aren't interested in, in growing and developing. I, be, I become less accessible to people who 
have no passion for Jesus, I am more accessible to people who are passionate about Jesus. Several years ago, I read um, a, a, a book that, that really changed my life uh, in terms of how I spend my time. It was called Halftime by Bob Buford. And in the halftime, he talked about uh, you know, how we, in the beginning stages of our, our life are just, is, he, he put it in, in football quarters. So in the first quarter and the second quarter, we're running like crazy. We're trying to see what works and, and we're running around like madmen. And uh, some things are working and some things are not. We get in at halftime and the coach brings us together and he says, you know, you guys did a whole lot of running around, but you really didn't accomplish much. You know, you spent, you, you, you gave away a lot of your time. You, you put a lot of effort into and energies into things that didn't produce. Here's what we're going to do. I saw three things that worked. You ran the ball well, you blocked well, <laughs> all right? And, and uh, you, you came together as a team well towards, right towards the end of the second quarter. So those are the three things on the third and fourth quarter that we're going to give our whole purpose in life to. Running the ball, blocking, and coming together as a team. And this is what really, like when I read this book, I realized that I was doing a lot of running around as a pastor, as a minister, and there was not a lot of production that was taking place. And I realized that if I spent time with people who were passionate about Jesus and really poured myself into those individuals, that I would multiply the efforts and we would see uh, some real results if I was to do that. And so I have a struggle. You may have that struggle, too, with people who are kind of like uh, uh, putting Christianity on pause at various stages and really not interested in, in being passionate about their love for Jesus. And so it makes it difficult for me to, to, to go and disciple them. I love them still, you know, I care about them, but it makes it difficult for me to parse out large segments of my time and say, I'd like to grow you up and help you know about Jesus. We have to have that want to inside of us. We have to want to grow, want to develop, and we need to be pursuers of people who are more mature, who are, uh, who are growing in Christ. We need to go after them. You know, I love the story of Elisha and Elijah and how, you know, Elisha was, was constantly after Elijah. He, he was probably times that he said, get out of my shadow, man, I'm tired of this. He just chased him around everywhere he went. And finally he expressed to him uh, what was in his heart. He said, uh, let, let, you know, he said, I'm not after you as a person. I'm after the spirit of God that is on you. That's what I'm after. I'm pursuing it. I see an anointing. I see a, a power in you that God is using you for his glory. And that's what I'm after. And I don't want people to be after me. I want people to be after the spirit of the anointing of God that is on me and what God has called me to do and, and what God has called me to be. Well, bottles and diapers are great for babies. But nobody wants to change a grown-up's diaper. No one wants to feed a grown-up a, a, a bottle, right? But obviously, chronological age is, has little or nothing to do with determining factor of, uh, of spiritual growth, right? People come to Christ at all kinds of ages. I was six years old when I came to Christ. Michelle's dad was 40 when he came to Christ. And last week, um, my brother led a man who's 73 years old to Christ. So here we have it, 6, 40, 73, we were all babies, all of us. But the thing is, I was six, if I was 40 today, and I got saved at six, and I was still a baby, you guys would have a problem with that, wouldn't you? If I wasn't grown up spiritually any more than when I was six years old, you know, you'd have a real problem with it. You'd say, hey, something's going on with you. And all of us need to recognize that 
We need to be growing and developing all the time and maturing in Christ because as a church, we're only going to go as far as we can grow. And sometimes I think when we look around at empty seats around us and, and places that need to be filled, we need to understand that we need to grow into it as an individual. We need to grow into the growth that God wants to send. You know, God wants to fill every house. God wants every church that is, is healthy and preaching the gospel to be full. How many of you really believe that? He does. I mean, what, that, why would he want to fight against his, uh, his own purpose and his mission? Jesus, God, God thought the church was so important, he made Jesus the head of it. He said, you're the body, my son is the head. It's really important. Wouldn't it be crazy if God said, you know, the church is so important, I want it empty every Sunday, or half full, or a third full, you know? And we'd say, well, what's about that? It must not be very important. It is important, but God is saying we must grow spiritually so we can grow numerically. We can only go as a church as far as we are willing to grow. How impressive would it be to um, new people coming to Christ if we had no teachers for their kids when they came here, or we had, you know, no worship team, or we had no media team, or we had, you know, where everybody's stretched to the max, and, and every week you see the same people doing the same things until they just pass out, because they're like, I'm volunteered, and I can't volunteer anymore. And so God says, I got to grow everybody up so that we can share the load and the responsibility, and then I can fill my place up, I can fill my house up. Each of us have emotional, social, and physical baggage that needs to be deal, dealt with as we grow up in Christ. There are things that will prevent growth. There are things that will chase people away. You've been around uh, people like that. We, Michelle and I had an experience uh, recently at a, uh, I was trying to think, uh, it was at a, uh, a retail shop we went into. Initially, I thought it was going to be a good encounter. The guy greeted us. And I thought, and then by the time we got to the cash wrap, this guy was, was almost like kicking us out of the store. So when you got that impression of like, you know, I'm busy, we got things going on, get out of here. You know, it's like, you know, what else do you want? What else? What else? Is there anything else? And, and just, you know, kind of getting us out of the way. And it, there's, it, I recognize there's some growth that needs to happen in that guy's uh, life, you know, some love, first of all, for customers. But there's some growth that needs to take place or this place is going to start getting empty. There's, you know, people are going to stop coming here because they're not, they're not loved. And so we're bringing baggage, all of us. We're coming into this, this uh, church every, every week and, and every month, you know, we're bringing a little bit of baggage, some things that need to be processed and healed. And some of it is our own selfishness that we're battling with, our own pride and, and issues like that that God wants to deal with. And he's saying, come on, let's grow up. Let's get this stuff dealt with. I love what um, I posted this. This past week on Michael Jr. and uh, how many of you know Michael Jr.? He's a comedian, Christian comedian, and, uh, it, and I posted. Uh, he was giving a message, a sermon. It wasn't a comedy deal. It was it was awesome. It was an altar call, and he was talking about. He said, "You know, some of you want your house clean, and and Jesus is outside with a mop and bucket, and he's knocking on your door. He wants to come in and clean your house, right?" And, and you just need to open the door and invite Jesus in. Yeah. But he said, there's others of you, there's others of you that slowly over time, you've pushed Jesus into one room. 
and it's the front room where the big picture window is so that everything kind of looks cool. And you won't let Jesus in the rest of the house. The rest of the house is a mess, but everybody looks in that picture window and it looks like, oh, that's great. You know, everything's clean, looks nice. And man, that really struck me. It's a, it's a picture of where we are on the growth cycle, you know, that we're, we're not really opening to everything that God wants to do. And so we're lugging our baggage around. Uh, so for some of you, it might be that you were wounded deeply somewhere in your life. You were hurt and you're dragging that baggage around. And believe me, if somebody spends five or ten minutes with you, they're going to know you were hurt somewhere in life. And uh, you, if you don't tell them the exact story, they're just going to have a sense of it, that you're broken and that there's things that, that need to be healed up inside of you. you were, maybe you were crushed. Somebody crushed your self-image. They called you a name and it stuck with you your whole life. And, and uh, they just crushed that self-image. And instead of allowing Christ to come in and be all that he wants to be in your life and transform you and show you who you are in him, because it really doesn't matter what other people say that we are. We're spending eternity with him, not with them. Right. And, and, and so uh, he, he wants to show you who you are and help you identify how loved you are, how cherished you are. And it will begin to change behaviors in your life. You'll begin to live differently, value what God values, your life, your body, uh, the things that God has given to you, but you've been crushed somewhere in your life and so you're dragging that baggage around. Maybe it's uh, you're, somebody violated intimate boundaries and, and it's, it's something you're carrying around. It's affected marriages and it's affected you know, other relationships in your life because someone you know, uh, violated intimate boundaries. I, have, you know, I had an experience several years ago uh, this, this has happened more than once, but several years ago when we were in church at Phoenix and uh, a, a woman who had been in our church for a long time and I considered a friend, um, you know, we were standing and talking and I understand there's our natural space barriers. It's probably about three feet when you're talking to somebody and I was, I was standing in that natural space barrier. I'm a man, she's a woman and I'm, I'm talking to her. But what happened is I noticed that she backed up another step or two. And it was the first time that I really realized that there, were, there was something that had happened in her life that caused her to, to mistrust. And, and uh, she, was, she was backing away, even subconsciously, not even thinking consciously. And, and later, uh, she was able to talk about this and talk about how her intimate boundaries were violated and, and that this has been destructed to her and, and has, has affected her trust with men. And, and uh, she, she uh, takes a step back in case she needs to escape or get away or whatever. And uh, so some, for some of you, maybe it was someone broke trust with you. They, they violated trust. It could be a, a somebody, you know, a spouse or just a loved one or, or a good friend or whatever. And, and so you're, you're carrying that baggage around. For others, it might be shame from decisions that uh, were, were made by you, you. You made those decisions and you're so ashamed that you decided that. You know, I sat down with a person who was talking about uh, their health and they had made some decisions and they were so ashamed uh, of the decisions they had made that it had, had defected their health and, and degraded their health. And, and they were, uh, didn't realize that they just needed to open up and let God come in, bring some healing and start moving in the direction that God wanted them uh, to bring them. As Christians, the growth curve, though, is often not measured, uh, it's measured less by years and, and more by character, right? And, and uh, so we, we don't think of a Christian as, you know, well, you know, I've been a Christian for 10 years. We don't, we don't think, uh, or we shouldn't think, if you do think, don't think that, 10 years, 20 years, 30 years, that I'm, I've been a Christian for, for 20, 30, 40 years, whatever it might be, therefore I'm mature. No, we, we watch character development. The Bible tells us to. It says that 
We are to watch for, for the fruits of the Spirit that are happening in a person's life. Those are the signs of the person is maturing. If they're stuck, if they have baggage they're carrying around, they're not advancing and they're not growing and they're not producing this fruit. It's the fig tree that Jesus rode by with his disciples and, and said there's no fruit on this fig tree. It should be, it's natural. This tree planted in God should be growing and should be producing love and joy. Help me out with the fruits of the Spirit. Peace, gentleness, long-suffering, goodness, kindness, meekness. It should be producing those things. And if it's not producing those things, something's wrong with the tree. Something's wrong with the tree. It needs some, some care. It needs some attention. In that case, Jesus said it just needs cut down. <laughs> we'll replant. Start something else. In other words, we can, we can tell by a person's patterns of their life, experience of their life, we're not bringing judgments, but we are to, in the sense of, of identifying what, if there's fruits or not, we can tell if there's growth or not, if there's development taking place. And there are really three stages of our growth and development that I want to zero in on this morning. And the first one is, stage one is, is obedience. Stage one is obedience. And it's kind of like um, when a person is the 12 steps to recovery, you know, that um, alcoholics, um, drug addicts, uh, sex addicts, whatever you want to put in the, the category, people who have addictions are looking at the 12 steps. And what I've found over the, my years of life is, is some people never get past the first step, right? They never get past the first step. Who knows what the first step is? Jake? Admitting you have a problem. And if the, really, the first three steps in the 12-step program are the steps to salvation, right? I can't. He can. I think I'll let him. <laughs> right? And, and most people struggle with those first three steps and never get past them. They never get past those first three steps. And so they keep rehabbing and repeating because they never get into the, the phase of, of obeying and following Christ. Because to surrender our will and our ways to God means that he's in charge and I'm not. I don't get to make the day-to-day -day decisions about my life. He tells me and I obey and I follow. Matthew chapter 28, verse 20, teaching them to observe all that I commanded you. And lo, I'm with you always, even to the end of the earth. The instructions that were given to the apostles about their task of spreading the gospel and making disciples, the one thing that Jesus first said must happen is you must teach them to obey. Teach them obedience, right? This is the very first step. They are not going to grow. There is no growth possible without obedience. Obedience is, is and you know, when I was thinking about this, and I was looking at my notes again last night, I was thinking about, um, you know, the karate kid. How many of you guys remember that? Yeah. The karate kid, wax on, wax off, right? Jake, come up here and be my illustration, all right? <laughs> all right, wax on, Jake, and wax off. All right, so he told him, and this seemed very purposeless, right? He said, uh, you know, I want you to go wash my car. And he, was, he, wanted, he came there to learn karate. And he said, I want, so here's your first lesson. I want you to go wax my car. Here's how you wax on and you wax off, you know. But you didn't do it right, so you got to wax off. No, this is wax on. This hand, wax on. All right, there you go. And this is wax off. There you go. Is that hard to... 
<laughs> okay. So he tells him to do that, and he, and he gives him some other exercises, right? And it was important for him to obey it and to do it. And he did. But at the end of it, he's mad. And he said, you didn't teach me anything about karate. And he says, show me a uh, wax off. Like, oh, oh. So he starts, you know, as soon as, uh, put your hand up. He knocks his hand out of the way. And then he puts his hand over here, and he knocks his hand out of the way. And, uh, and, and you know, it was using the wax on and wax off. And he, he began to realize all of the things, show me paint the brush. Remember? Paint the fence. Here we go. Go ahead, Jake. I'm sorry. He said, and, and it reminded me of like we're in, you know, we're, we're learning to obey God and we don't question it. Hello? We, we don't question obeying God. I, I, I don't think you believe that. We, we are obeying God and we don't question it. Because we don't know why he's telling us to do what, what he's telling us to do. Why do you want me to wax on and wax off? Because when the enemy comes, you're going to be deflecting those blows away. Yeah. You're going to be <laughs> <laughs> defending yourself against the enemy. And I want you just to obey. And so simple obedience, it's so... Uh, it seems simple. It's so complex for us. But no growth in Christ happens without obedience. It begins with obedience as we obey God and we follow him. And first two acts of obedience are interesting. The first two things required as a Christian, right? The first one is repentance. Repentance. It's not just confessing what we've done. Repentance is, uh, is a word that means turning your back on it. Like, I am not just, like, saying, God, I'm sorry that, you know, I uh, yelled at my wife this morning. I'm turning my back on yelling to my wife. I have no right to do what I did this morning. And it was all selfish. It was about me, and I'm turning my back on self, and I'm turning my back on, on uh, n- you know, a non-sacrificial kind of a, of a life. I'm going to give myself to you. So repentance was the first o- uh, step of obedience, and the second one was baptism. He said, follow me in baptism. And, you know, I, I want each of you to kind of look at your life first, and we're going to have a baptism during God Talks. Have you turned your back, have you repented and turned your back on sin, and have you been baptized? Have you done the first two things in the, in the, the stages of obedience that God uh, requires? I don't want to hear your excuses. <laughs> I don't, you know, you're not going to ask God, you know, why do you want me to get wet in front of a bunch of people? Just say, I'm going to do it. Yeah. I'm going to do it because you said it. Obedience is the visible sign that your faith is legitimate, your faith is sincere, and your faith is operational. Obedience to God is, the, is, is uh, a visible sign to everybody that sits around you that your faith is legitimate, it's sincere, and it's operational. You know, we, I'm functioning in an operational kind of faith because I'm obeying God and He brings results as a fact of obedience as I, as I obey Him and follow Him. We can always tell, you know, an obedient Christian, we see, we see the growth and development that's taking place in their life. Obedience to the Lord in, in matters of personal conduct, obedience to the Lord in our response to the world when we're under pressure to conform to it, obedience in matters of faithful worship, Bible study, and fellowship leads us to spiritual growth. You know that you have arrived 
and surpass the first level uh, of obedience when, when it is a priority of your life. That's why I wanted to share that story with you this morning. That young lady, it's a priority of her life to spend time with her church family. And, and it's a sign that you are advancing and uh, you are growing in Christ. This is a priority of my life. It's not just something I do and I go to church. It is, it is I'm living this out because it is an active action of my faith. It is, shows that I'm legitimately aboard, all aboard with what God has in store. I want to be uh, in his presence. I want to worship him. I want to obey him. Stage two is about serving in mission, serving in mission. And a passage of scripture I'll share with you uh, out of Ephesians chapter four, verse 14 through 16. As a result, we are no longer to be tossed, uh, our children tossed here and there by the waves that are carried about by every wind of, of doctrine, by tricky, uh, the trickery of men, by the craftiness and deceitful scheming, but speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in all aspects unto, uh, into him who is the head, even Christ, from whom the whole body being fitted together is held together by what every joint supplies, according to the proper working of each individual part, causes growth of the body for the building up of itself in love. We are sometimes, I think, looking for um, God things, uh, the things that he has in store for us, that they might be provided for us, and we're looking for them outside of, of the gathering, outside of, of when we come together. And as God calls us together to serve, there is tremendous fulfillment. The things that we think we need, um, the empty spaces in us, get a lot of times filled up with true service out of love for God's people. It is amazing how Michelle and I have, have, have stepped away from uh, encounters where God has used us to serve and help someone. And we've said, you know, uh, I came here um, thinking I had a lot of needs and, and there was a lot of concerns. I'm leaving here blessed, like, like I just sat in the presence of God and he just took care of everything that I needed by just serving someone and taking care of them and helping them. You cannot believe how uh, fulfilling it is when you, when you really get to the level of serving uh, God's people in love, and it becomes a priority and a focus, serving in the community, serving one another, serving each other in love. It's tremendous what God, God will do. Paul summarized it, uh, that process in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 15 and 16, and that from childhood, you have known the sacred writings that are able to give you the wisdom that leads to salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. All scripture is inspired by God, profitable for teaching, reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness. Now note the pattern that, that Timothy went through here. He learns the word of God that it brings him uh, to a place of obedience uh, and salvation. That's his first step of growth. By learning the word of God, hearing the word of God, and letting it kind of pour over his spirit, he comes to uh, salvation and to obedience in Christ. The second thing that happens is that through the word, he is trained to know, to prove what is good, what is true, and what is godly. And, and Paul's been his mentor. He's been teaching him. How do people know the goodness of God, the grace of God, and the mercy of God? It's, it's when we're serving. 
we're serving them and in love and showing them and teaching them and teaching them God's word. He was trained to know, uh, to prove what is good, what is true, what is godly. And finally, uh, and this is where he arrived at step number two, he was trained for good works of service. Paul was doing it for him. Now he's, he's at a place where he realizes, I am the one who needs to be doing it for other people. I need to be training other people. I need to be encouraging other people. I need to be serving in my community. Christian service begins with the big word responsibility. Responsibility. When we take ownership of the ministry, right? It's not just pastor's job. It's not, you know, uh, somebody else's, not the elder's jobs. It's not, you know, we start taking ownership for the responsibility of ministry in our community and among our people, right? I don't work where you work. I kind of wish I did. You know? some, I hear about some of your jobs, they sound like so much fun, right? And especially Susie's job. <laughs> she laughs out loud. It sounds like a blast. Um, but you are there. And there are people there who need you there, right? Now, I'm not saying they have to come to this church, but you have a work of, of ministry to do in their lives. They might go to Shoreline. I don't care. God bless them. Church is big. I love it if it gets bigger, right? Because, but we need to be doing what God's called us to do. You're taking the grace place wherever you go. You are taking the church. You are the church. It isn't this building. I love this building. I love what God's given us. But you are the church. You're taking it wherever you go. You take it to HEB. You take it to the post office. You took it to Starbucks. You know, start uh, opening up and serving and sharing and ministering. Take ownership. Take responsibility. Eventually, it's going gonna, it's gonna to grow to the point that you're, you're seeking the Lord in prayer and you're going to be asking God for your particular ministry, right? Yes. Your particular ministry. Lord, I'm serving you wherever you send me and whatever you want me to do. Um, I, I'm ready for the particular area of ministry that you want me to function in and serve in. I want to be a blessing for your kingdom. When I entered the door of, uh, of ministry as a youth minister, you know, uh, I never once thought that that was a springboard to the pastorate. I didn't. I never gave that a thought. I never once thought it was a springboard to pulpit preaching. I just thought it was a door for ministry. And I thought, this is, this is great. It's a pathway. It's a door for me to, to share and share God's love. And I didn't even think I was the best qualified to help out with the youth. I thought uh, I could identify at least one or two other people I thought would, I, would, would be a little bit better in that role. But I was willing to serve wherever. And, and out of the willingness, God began to show me how he designed me, right? And, and began to, to, to work in me spiritual formation and shape me to where I am today. But I never once saw any role that I ever played, even as associate pastor. I could have served as an associate pastor my whole life. I loved it. I loved uh, the opportunities that uh, I had there and not having to carry the whole load, you know. Like I didn't go home with all the burdens the pastor went home with, you know. And uh, when we, I had a season then of being the senior pastor and then a little break when we went up to uh, Las Vegas and we were in a mega church and there was a senior pastor and a, uh, a big uh, leadership uh, level. And I was just one of many pastors, one of 11 pastors. 
Uh, church was about 3,300 when we came there. And uh, so, you know, uh, I was, it was a, a joy to pick up my backpack and go home and not carry all the... <laughs> I used to think my church, you know, I knew how much, you know, financially we had to, to bring in in the course of a month to meet the bills and take care of things. And man, when I'm sitting up there on a campus like that, you know, and I'm looking at just the, just the sheer electric bill, you know, uh, on that place was, you know, was running, you know, uh, six, eight, twelve thousand dollars, you know, depending on uh, time of the year, you know, to <laughs> cool down everybody. I'm like, man, I'm glad I'm not taking that home, you know. I'm like, thank you, Jesus, you know, this, <laughs> this is burden enough for me, you know, where I am and, and all that you have for me. It's, you know, I, I loved each stage of how God developed and grew me and brought me to where we are today. And we're going to talk more about this uh, you know, on the opening of God Talks, how God brought us here, because we need to rehearse the story. How did you get here? How did I get here? God brought us together. Obedience is less a struggle um, when we are maturing in Christ, and then it becomes more of a natural order of things. I don't walk around saying, I have to remember to breathe. Oh, man, if I don't breathe, I'm going to die, you know? <laughs> And so it is with our walk with Christ. I don't have to remember to obey, right? I know I, I need to obey. I don't have to remember to serve, you know? Uh, I know that I love serving. And, and it's a joy and it's a part of what we do. And the third stage is to love like Jesus. Love like Jesus loves. Obedience is first. We, it leads to serving in God's community. And serving in God's community leads to loving like Jesus. I would love to tell you that you start out with loving like Jesus loves. Serving helps you love people, right? Everybody that works, say amen. <laughs> you work with people that are unlovable at times, right? Does anybody work with, has you ever worked with somebody who was unlovable? Anybody? All right. And didn't God teach you how to love them by putting you in the same cubicle with them? <laughs> or just thrusting your lives together in some form, God began to, and the same thing happens as we begin to serve. You know, if there's somebody you don't love, I will promise you, God will put them right next to you for ministry. <laughs> you, you start serving on the worship team, and you'll be standing right next to them. You, know? you start serving in, in uh, children's ministry. It will be your co-teacher. Uh, wherever your struggles are in loving, God will see to it that he gets you together, right? And, and he's going to help you love like he loves. There's things you're not seeing about people. There's baggage they're carrying around. There's things that are going on that God's going to give you empathy and compassion and, and love for. Once you're committed to obedience, God is going to begin to mold you in his image. The Imago Day, it's called. He's going to begin to make you more like him. John chapter 15, verse 13. Greater love has no one than he lay down his life for a friend. Jesus taught that principle, but he also lived it out, right? He was the great example for us. And even on the cross, even on the cross, right? God put him next to a problem. <laughs> you remember the thieves hanging on the cross? The one goes, if there's a God, you command him to release us and take us off this cross. And the other one's saying, shh, this man's done nothing wrong. 
and he's here with us. We did wrong. And Jesus turning and saying, today, you'll be with me in paradise. I love you. Today, you're going to be with me. All the way to the end, the example of God putting us between life and death. John chapter 13, verse 35, he said, By this will all men know that you have love for one another, that you're my disciples if you have love one for another. In a mature Christian, we can, we can see their obedience and we can experience, experience their love of God. We don't just, we don't just see it because, you know, the, the love thing has to be in action, doesn't it? It's like, oh, I love you. And we can say it all we want, but our actions are incongruent and they show that we're, we're not really loving like we should love. But when we are really loving like we should love, then it's, you know, you, you see it. Uh, my granddaughter, uh, Allison, uh, we have had a lot of time to, a lot of encounters, a lot of time to play. It was my day off and I was hanging out with her and uh, she kind of got interested in some other things. And so I, uh, I laid down on the couch and I got like sleepy. I was getting tired. And so I was nodding off a bit and she would come around to show me something. Hey, Papa, this. And I, was, I would wake up and like, yeah, yeah, you know. And, uh, so at one point, like, I felt two hands come over my head. I was laying down. And these little lips come down and go, kiss me on the head, you know. And I just thought, that, that is the purest, like, example of unsolicited love. It's just, you know, I didn't ask, come over and kiss Papa, you know, say goodbye, whatever, you know, that we normally do when we're uh, saying hello or saying goodbye, come and give me a hug or whatever. And it was just the expression of like, thank you. And, and you know, this is a sign that we're maturing in Christ. Is, is this unsolicited actions of love. Yeah. Unsolicited. No, nobody's told you to go over and, and kiss your, your, your neighbor on the head or you know, serve them or mow their lawn or do whatever. It, it's just unsolicited. I'm coming to love you because I love you like Jesus loves you. Spiritually mature men and women of God see Christ uh, we can see Christ in their words. We can see Christ in their reactions. We can see Christ in their approach to serving and their willingness to seek after the good things that God has for other people's life. I invite our worship team to come. So our question uh, is, where are we on this, this growth scale when you think about your obedience, your service, and loving one another? Uh, you know, it's, it's okay to admit, say, oh, we're not, I'm, I'm certainly not there. I mean, I can admit I am not arrived where God wants me to be. I'm thankful I can look back and see growth. I can see growth even this year, you know, in my life in, in, in uh, particular areas that God has been dealing with. But as a church, we're only going to go as far as we grow. We're only going to go as far as we grow. So the challenge for us is, are we ready? Are we ready to, to grow? We've talked before about the basics of Christianity that we learned when we were in kids' church. Read your Bible, pray every day, pray every day, pray every day. You can help me if you know the song. Read your Bible, pray every day, and you'll grow, grow, grow. And, you know, we, we, when we're struggling in just the basics of Christianity, faithful attendance to God's house, uh, setting aside time to read his word, Yes, a day might pass where you didn't read the Bible and you didn't pray 
and there's no God in heaven with a big thunderbolt ready to strike you down. <laughs> a week might pass, right? A month. Um, uh, but, but we need to be pursuing God. We need to be pursuing people who are pursuing God to help us learn how to do better what we do. I've always been interested in pursuing uh, mentors of my life to find out how they were doing in their, their disciplines for Christianity. How, how do you make it a habit to read God's word? How do you make it a habit to pray? How do you, you break down um, your, your natural um, you know, resistance to some of the things that God wants you to do in obedience? How do you surrender to him and set pride aside? We need to do this. We need to be pursuing God with all of our strength, all of our might, all of our heart. We need to commit to grow spiritually. That means saying yes to hard work of spiritual development. Um, I was privileged to be able to finish my uh, master's uh, degree. And um, I can tell you, and I know everyone who has gone through school at any level, knows that it's hard, hard work. I didn't get to just say, I'm going to pay you some money and I'll wait till the end of each of these classes. And then when all this stuff is over, just hand me a diploma. I'm going to hang it up on my wall, right? There was hard work involved and there's hard work involved in your spiritual development. If there's no blood, sweat and tears going on in your, your, your personal spiritual development, it's likely there's not personal spiritual development happening, right? We have to be committed and say, I want to grow. And so I want to do things that are going to grow me up. They're going to make me less like me and more like, like Jesus. Will you stand with me? The worship team is going to lead us. And what I would like to ask you to do is, um, and it could be the whole church if you want, but if you are ready to commit to full spiritual growth, God breaking down things that you don't even see, your eyes are blinded to, selfishness or pride or things like that, I want you to come forward and let's just, nobody's going to be praying for anybody, we're just going to be lifting our voices to God and asking Him to do a work inside of us, okay? Will you come?